sense of actually the rhythm of our lives contain many aspects of, of what the Bible and what God kind of makes up. And within that, the last bit, which we don't often talk about, is that God is a judge. And when we think of judge, we think of harshness. We think of someone who's critical, someone who's scathing. But actually, for God to be a just God, he must also be a God that casts judgment. Because God gives a get-out clause, as we'll discuss in a bit. But within that, there's got to be a sense of, if you don't choose, if you, if you run in the opposite direction, there's also got to be consequences. Is everyone tracking so far? So Act 17, 27 to 34. I'll read it nice and slowly. And uh, it's this sense of Paul is, is just kind of scribing, I think, his experiences of, of God. Now, this is only a few years after Jesus has gone to heaven. So, so there's many stories about Jesus circulating. Paul's writing this through the lens of he believes Jesus is coming back this afternoon. Whereas we don't, do we? You know, our Sunday dinners are on, on the boil at the moment. And, we're, you know, we're at the pub for lunch or whatever. We've got no expectation of Jesus coming back this afternoon. But actually, he was kind of urging us to kind of press him. And this is what he said. Verse 27. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. And this is Jesus dying on the cross. Though he's not far from any of us, you or I, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of you, uh, of your own poets, have said, we are all his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think about the divine being like gold or silver or stone, uh, an image made by human design and skill. Uh, in, In past, God has overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, he has given proof of this guy by raising him from the dead. Jesus. So God raised Jesus up to be our judge, but also to be our defender. You and I have been found wanting, haven't we? Be honest. We've said things, we've done things, we've dodged the end of the tax years, we've, uh, we've crossed people, we've, uh, we've beat people up, we've stole penny sweets from Woolworths. Let's be honest. We've all done things over the years. That It's not a blame game, but actually when we look at our lives, we can see that redemption is not found from within you or I. It's actually found from external. It's okay. And actually to find redemption, we've got to find something outside of ourselves because you or I can't redeem us. We're, we're sinners. We do things wrong. We're rebellious to God. It's innate. Years ago, when I was just a wee nipper, just a tiny bit shorter than I was now, and uh, <laughs> it's always been a sore point. And uh, I was raiding my biscuit tin at home. Kids have this fetish with biscuits, don't we, when we're kids. We're just, it's like we've got to like, just eat biscuits all the time. So I crept downstairs and, uh, and I, was, I used to dodge the little flicky light that kind of caught people, sense, you know, the sensor. I was really good, a bit covert. Got to the biscuit tin, got my hand in the biscuit tin. I was like, yes, here comes a beautiful rich tea biscuit. Bonus, and then the door opened. Bum, bum, bum. I was like, oh no, it's the end of the world. What a small worldview I had back then. It was my brother. He was like, what on earth are you doing? Uh, uh, and what are you doing those couple of seconds? Those couple of, those couple of seconds seems like 20 minutes. Ba bum, ba bum, ba bum, ba bum. Your heart, like, you know, pulses fast. You're like, oh no, gonna be grounded forever. And he, I just, you're getting a biscuit, aren't you? Yeah, I am. He says, go on, I won't tell mum. Bonus! Woohoo! You know that feeling, don't you? That feeling, it's almost like someone standing next to you with a big power wash and just going, Psh! it's so refreshing, so liberating, you feel amazing. It's ecstasy. 
And actually, all oh, lots of funny story. When we look at the fact that we've been redeemed by a God, it's that sense of, you know, God covering for you and I. My brother covered for me that day. You know, my mum asked where the biscuits are gone. It wasn't me. My brother covered for me. There's this amazing story I want to share with you. You've probably heard it a million times. If you've been in church for a few years, it's, it's one of the ones we kick about. But it's sort of Abraham Lincoln, the US president. We've all heard of him, right? The guy with the pointy hat, uh, the, uh, the guy who hated the, the slave uh, trade and, and was just an amazing guy. And he was walking through this busy courtyard and he heard this commotion. You probably heard the story. And, uh, and literally, he, was thinking, he said to his bodyguards, look, what, what's going on? Let's take a peek. And in they went to this warehouse and it was literally rammed like sardines full of people. Going crazy. It was, it was, it was more wild than our church. People going nuts. Just what is this? What, what is it? And, and he kind of peeked. He was pretty tall. And the stories recited that Abraham Lincoln looked at the front and there was this beautiful black slave girl at the front stood there shaking, so timid, head down, just, just, just petrified. And, uh, and literally, the guy was saying, right, we're going to double it, 200, 300. Hands were going up left, right, and center as all these people were bidding for this black slave girl. And, and, and he thought to himself, if people are bidding so much money for this girl, what on earth are they going to do to her? Why is, this, why is it so crazy? Uh, Abraham Lincoln moved through compassion. He put his hand in the air, and the place went silent. The U.S. president is bidding on a slave girl. Oh, this is hot news. What's going on? And he said, I will double what the last guy offered. And the place went crazy. Wow, what, this, is, this is mental. What, 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 what? And he said, I'll double it. And he walked to the front and he said to the auctioneer, there's the money. He said, and this girl, she's free to go. And the girl said, I'm, I'm free to leave. He said, yeah, you're free to leave. I'm free to be with whoever I want to be with. Yeah, you're free to go. I'm, I'm totally, like, no strings attached, you're free to go. And I love that story because although it's a cheesy story and it is historically correct, I love it because it reflects a saviour for us, for you and I. That you and I have been judged, but the gospel, it talks about this rhythm of grace that Christine was talking about earlier on. It's this rhythm of grace where God extends to you and I, although we don't deserve it, this free gift. And he looks us square in the face and he says, you're free to go. Although you've been bid on, although you've been purchased, that actually today, I've purchased you. I've bought you. But with that, you're free to do whatever you want. Are we tracking? So when it comes to God, we haven't just been forgiven, but he's a God who swaps our place and he sticks his hand in the biscuit jar for us. That's why our worship should be passionate. That's why our lives should be vibrant. Because we're worshipping a God who redeemed us. And if we ever get bored of that fact, then obviously we need some harsh conversations, we need some reality checks, because it's huge news. The verdict was guilty for all of us, but now we can live guilt-free. Romans 6, for the wages of sin, for the stuff that you and I have done wrong, and sin's this old-fashioned word that we kick around in church, isn't it? But it's just the rebellious stuff. It's the, it's the stuff where we just turn our back on God. God, I can do my own life my way. I don't need a God in my life. I'm perfectly okay, thank you very much. God, I, I can handle my finances myself. I don't need you. I, I've got enough coming in. I can make ends meet. I can splash out. God, I don't need you in that area of my life. Well, it's turning our back on sin. And we've been designed and made by a creator to live in relationship with him. So whatever the area, whatever the reason, actually when we say no to God, 
Although we may, you know, today we might be like, well, actually, I'm just thinking about what is the stuff that I push back on God about? God calls it, and the Bible calls it, sin. And the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. It's death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. What a reason to celebrate. And the gospel, it sets a rhythm for humanity. When we do the gospel and we live out the gospel in the right way, the grace of God, we begin to have a a healthier heart, a healthier thinking, a, a spiritual health. And we begin to see positive things flow into our lives. But there's a tension. This idea of this grace-filled, romantic view of God. And sometimes when we sing worship songs, it sounds like you're singing a song to, to, to your loved one, doesn't it, really? There's very intimate words. This sense of, you know, God being very wishy-washy and very gooey and romantic and whatever we want to do, he's going to roll with. And then you've got these guys who, who camp the other side and they say, no, God is this judge. He's harsh. He's critical. He hates you. He despises you. And he's going to get you one day with a lightning rod. We've all had the conversations, haven't we? Or perhaps your friends know you go to church. Oh, yeah. God, the religious types who believe God wants to beat them up. And there's this real tension. I think both are wrong. I think there's a medium ground. When we read the Bible, it talks about a God who cannot abide the stuff that we do wrong, but also sacrifices himself to have a relationship with him. This, this, this sense of, I believe, wanting to move past and, forward, past and from the things that we've done wrong. So our heart's response should be, although I know I've messed up, although this week I can probably count 40 things where I just, I just knew it wasn't right, and I just feel a bit disconnected from God, I believe God's heart in that, very simply, and you can, you can wrap it up in loads of the- theological words and systematic this and whatever, and ooh, the Greek that, but ultimately I believe it's about your heart and my heart, saying, God, I want to be more like you. I know I haven't got this together. I want to move away from the stuff that I am, because I know it's not good, more towards you, a God who loves me. And I think that's it. It's the heart's response. So the gospel tells us grace, which is undeserved as a free gift, covers everything we've ever done and will do. Is that a good thought today? Someone give me a yes or a no if you disagree. Grace is free, but godliness is to be pursued. Grace is free, but godliness is to be pursued. So yeah, we can have a free gift from God. We can live our lives and do what we want, part here. But actually, to live a life of godliness, it takes choice, doesn't it? It takes sacrifice. It takes commitment and dedication, which often we might struggle to do. So, three things quickly. It's your choice to say you are sorry. It's your choice. So God, I know I've messed up. Today I just want to say, God, actually it's been a while. I haven't got this together. God, I need you in my life. And I believe that's why God sent Jesus. So that you and I can have those conversations. It's really important. Number two, it's your choice to worship. And when I talk about worship, I don't mean being dragged to church on a Sunday and singing ten songs in the right key. And clapping your hands at the right time. Worship's every part of our lives, isn't it? So that is our relationships. It's, it's, it's driving to work. Perhaps it's your quiet time before bed. Perhaps it's, it's, it's gathering with someone and saying, actually, you know, let's be accountable. You know, worship is our finances. It, it is our, our, our singing as well. Worship is every part of our lives. So it's, it's saying, God, actually, every part of my life this week, every part, and if I say no to this, then God challenge me. I want to give to you. I want you to lead in. And then thirdly, it's your choice 
how you allow this grace to influence the rest of your life. Years ago, my mum said to me, there's this guy and he walks to church and he looks miserable every single time he goes to church. I don't get it. You know, he's just, he's given a bad example for what Christianity is about. And I never really got it. I've been thinking about that. But isn't it true that if we're living a grace-filled life, then, then we should act like it. We should, we should celebrate that and allow that to influence every part of our lives. So grace speaks joy to situations where perhaps we feel a bit dead in. Grace from God and what he's done for us, it allows us to, to have a hope for the future, doesn't it? So God, I believe you can do amazing things. And perhaps you sat here today. And, and for you, you know, the, the hope of the future would be to find the right person, the Mr. or Mrs. We've got to believe that God would have someone for you. Come on. It, it almost gives life to a situation where you might think is, is, is hopeless. Perhaps you're here today in tons of debt, struggling to make ends meet. We believe, I believe, that God wants to speak into that. He's a real, tangible, living God. God, today, we invite you into that. Perhaps you're here today. Your expectation of what church is going to be for the next three months is a couple of songs, a dodgy word from a bald guy, and I'm going to go home. But we believe that God wants to speak life into his church. See these seats filled to see people come closer to him. To see people who would never, ever go to church sit here and say, do you know what? I was blown away. I can't explain what God was doing, but, but I want to tune in. I wonder what it is for your life. I wonder what God wants to speak into your life about. Because a grace-filled life says that, God, I believe that there's a better tomorrow. I believe that there's life in the future. That you're going to answer some of these dreams that I've been planning for a while. Like, God, you're going to do something amazing across our, our valley. Do we believe that, church? I do. A grace-filled life. Think about it. Jesus came and he made some very direct claims. Check these out. Jesus said, and this is the old debate, isn't it? He's either mad, bad, or he's actually God. And this is what he says about himself. I am the light of the world. I'll be on the screen. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's a huge thing to say. Imagine one of your mates saying that to you in the pub. You'd be like, man, you've got some issues. But you would, wouldn't you? But... But Jesus claimed it. The second one, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. If you really knew me, you would know that my, you know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. Because you're looking at him. Another direct claim of, I am God. Come through me. I love it. And then he says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Mark 2, 10. I have the authority to forgive sins. So God has ultimately judged us. But then he built a bridge. He knew that we couldn't redeem ourselves. So he sent himself to rescue us and unite us. What I love about our faith is that God pursues us. Think about it. Every other world religion and every cause and, 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 and theology is about man building a bridge and, and stepping stones to a God. If I just do enough right things, if I give enough to charity, if I'm a good person, dot, 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 maybe I'll get into God and, and maybe he'll it, welcome me in. Or perhaps if I sit and meditate for long enough, I'll have wholeness and I will have eternal life. It's that sense of achieving, that sense of us having to be like God. What I love about our faith 
and Jesus says it, is that he comes and pursues us. It's just amazing, isn't it? Am I amazed on my own this morning, church? I think I am. I'm amazed. Come on. Let's get excited by it. That's amazing. No one else has that. They're all chasing the God, and if they do things, and, and I, won't, I won't say things, it's controversial, but you know what? You, you fill in the blanks. If they do certain things, they get certain rewards. It's nuts. But God says, no, I'm going to run to you. I'm going to come to you. And Jesus said those three things that just fulfilled the promises. So his judgment should motivate us because God does judge us still. He still challenges us and still says, no, get it right. I've given you a way out. So three quick things again. His judgment motivates us to do three quick things. Uh, The first one, to get right, to acknowledge his free gift. And perhaps some of us today have been dragged to church, promised free biscuits and great coffee and a good sing-along. And actually, we've never you know, got right with God. Perhaps today is, is that opportunity for you to say, God, I want to get right with you. I want to invite you into the entirety of my life. I know I haven't got it together. I'm here today fumbling about, trying to get it all together. But actually, God, I realize through your grace that, that you're the way. You're the truth and you're the life. Number two, take steps to make him our priority. And this is about a relationship. And often when Paul writes this stuff, he talks about adoption. He talks about us being grafted into a family of God. So how God looks at you and he says, you, you got my surname. You look just like me. Come on, come on in. Be a part of my family. And that's really what it's about. It's about God grafting us in into relationship with him so that you and I have the option to make him a priority and then the third knowing that God is a judge I believe, check this out should compel us to tell others when I first met Jesus I was 15, nuts in a field and Mike Pilevacci was speaking and all these Christians had their hands in the air totally weird but you think about it, it's it's this sense of surrender isn't it this God I surrender to you so I put my hands in the air it was the biggest buzz of my life I was like God I know you're real but then straight away I knew man my mates at school they're never going to know about you Jesus how do I introduce my friends to you and I know and you know although God is fluid and he's more fluid and flexible than we'll ever know he's the ultimate judge it's his call but I know there's a day where he's going to call your friends and my friends and he's going to say to them you've rejected me I've given you Dave on your street. I've given you Mike as your mate. I've given you options to come to church. You know, I've given you these, these times. Come on. But actually, every time you spat in my face. And that's a burden that you and I should, if we're Christ followers, live with. It, it, should, it should compel us to say, God, I've got to tell my mates about you. In a way that I know they want to hear. Not Bible bash. Maybe it's a pint. Maybe it's a few conversations over a coffee. Perhaps it's just years of quietly praying, God, would you give that person eyesight just to see you? But we, we, should have, we should be having three or four of those on our prayer list. We should be having those conversations when we can. Or at least the ambition to meet people. God, would you compel me to tell others? Because I know one day the Bible tells me every knee will bow. Every knee. Billions of knees. And there'll be so much crying, there'll be turmoil, because God, you're, you're just God, which means that you've got to separate the right from the wrong. So you'll separate those guys who pursued you and prioritised you, but ultimately, God, there'll be people who put two fingers up at you, and you can't accept them. You want to, you've, you've reached out to them. 
But so God, God, would you use your people and your church to bring a bit of heaven on earth? It should motivate us. When you go to the doctors, and I'm coming into land now, when you come to the, you go to the doctors, he'll do a couple of things, won't he? He or she. They, 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 will, they will take your blood pressure. They will probably look in your ear or open your eyes or, you know, they'll take some vitals. And I believe when we look at having a grace-filled life, there's some real vitals that we should be looking at. Some real vitals. And the Bible tells us, it says that your life and my life, if, if our lives are grace-filled and we choose to live a grace-filled life, should be marked by a few things. You might want to make notes, but it's in the Bible, you know it. It's talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And it says it's, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, kindness, goodness, forbearance, faithfulness, gentleness, and we know the last one, self-control. And so it's almost like God gives us these, these, these vital signs to, just to check how we're doing. You know, how is your life and my life in a non-judgmental way measuring up when it comes to just loving other people, to, to having joy in our lives? Perhaps we're just not feeling joy today. But actually, when we worship God, and when we say, God, I put you high, I proclaim you in my life, God's presence he sweeps across every part of our lives and he brings joy he brings a freedom the bible says what about kindness when's the last time we were just blatantly all out kind to someone so kind you've probably seen the thing on facebook where the church tipped the pizza guy like 800 pounds or something like that amazing and the pizza guy got on his phone and was like Woo-hoo! you know like waving his money about and just blessed by a local church amazing kindness the, the sense of what are our vitals today gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. God, when I spend more time with you, those things aren't a religious thing, but they just seem to flow. So as we worship, I want us to be thinking about that stuff. And ultimately, I believe God is available, as we all know. What is that sound? That's terrible, isn't it? Maybe it's the Lord speaking. Maybe we should pause for a few moments. That's terrible. He's available to us today. Let's give Mike a round of applause. <laughs> Brilliant. That's much better. <laughs> so, as a disciple, we're marked by forgiveness. But we must also forgive. When I was praying about this sense of rhythm, as we close the series today on rhythm, I believe God just lumped this huge challenge on you and I. I'm going to just throw it out there and we'll see if it explodes. But we've been forgiven, which is amazing. But also Jesus talked a lot about forgiveness and he commanded us to forgive, to forgive others. And it says in Matthew 6, 14, Jesus says, in prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God. For instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God. God, that's heavy. So we have a responsibility to forgive others. To allow the flow of God to flow into us, but also to be extended. Yeah, but Elijah, you don't know what that person did to me. It's easy for you to say that, Elijah. And I'm just, I'm just saying, 
It's what the Bible says. And I believe God wants to have really help us with it. Because actually, we're probably, we're probably stopping, you know, a lot of God, what God wants to do by, the, by just holding on to things. God, I'm not forgiving someone. Years ago, I got into the Barney with a friend. And uh, weird, isn't it, when you're young, how things escalate. It's just, it's, so, it's just petty. But we didn't talk for a bit. He was wrong. He was. It was all him. It was nothing to do with me. And I went to this, uh, this conference once. And this guy came across. He said, "Can I pray for you?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, of course you can." He said, "I just I know there's this issue, issue going on, and I believe God wants to do something." I said, "Yeah, it's all his fault. Tell God to sort him out, will you?" And he said, "He said, no, 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 no." He said, "I just want to share this." He said, "When Jesus was dying on the cross, what were some of the last words that he said?" And he's the he's the spiritual hand grenade. He said, "He said, Jesus, he said, he said, Father, I." And this is what Jesus said, "Father, I pray you forgive them because they don't know what they're doing." Would you forgive them because they don't know what they're doing? And it just hit me like a sledgehammer on the face. That you, they don't. People don't know how they cross you sometimes. We hold these grudges in our mind, don't we? We allow, th- allow things to fester and build up and grow and become something else until you become an ugly monster. And it's like, no, 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 it's their fault. But actually, Jesus says, for spiritual health, to live a graceful life, you also need to extend this stuff to other people. But you don't know what they've done. But Jesus does. So you've been forgiven so that you can forgive freely. So I wonder today, as we close this series, as we, we look at the fact that God is a judge, but also he's a great redeemer if we choose. That, that The last thing we do today is just look at, actually, God, I accept, and that's what it means to become a Christian, I accept that I've been forgiven. Thank you for that. A free gift. It's great. But in that, I also extend let that flow through me, and I forgive others. I just forgive them. I let that person in my mind right now, I let them go. I know there's emotion to that, and I'm going to forgive them each day, or whenever I think about it, but this is really, really important, church. This is spiritual stuff. This is, this is, this is it's deep. So I wonder, who's crossed us? Who's ripped us up? Who tore our heart out once? Perhaps it was an old girlfriend who kissed a mate in high school or something. And, you know, you never really let it go. But more seriously, perhaps it's some really deep-rooted stuff. And God, I've been living with it. And the Bible says that it does. And Jesus said that it gets in the way of you and God. And Jesus wants to deal with it because he came so that there'd be no barrier between you and God. So God, as we, as we close this series of Rhythm... We thank you that you're a God who never changes. That often our life and and the rhythm of our life is all over the place. We're up, we're down, we're somewhere in between. But God, you're constant. Lord, I thank you for the last few weeks and just for the different ways you've spoken to us and you've called us deeper into a relationship with you. And Lord, I pray today there'll be salvation in your church. I pray there'll be someone here who just doesn't know you, who will just accept the free gift from you that you've died for them, that you've forgiven them, and that, God, you've got amazing things for eternity for them. But then lastly, God, we all just want to pray for, for our own spiritual health, for the people who've cut us up, who've hurt us, who just, we think about, who we just, just churn over in our mind time and time again. And it's just so deeply rooted, God, that we just can't seem to get past it. God, I pray today that because of that cross, 
because of what you've done for us, because your blood is the most powerful agent in human history, that you'd allow us to extend that freedom and that forgiveness. And as we do so, God, that your kingdom would be uninhibited. That there'd be no block in it. That you'd use us wholeheartedly 